Welcome to The Common Rounds. Medical education for medical students by medical students. My name is Hamid and today we'll be covering muscular dystrophy. What is muscular dystrophy? Muscular dystrophy is a group of inherited disorders characterized by non-inflammatory but progressive muscular dysfunction without evidence of peripheral and central neurological pathology. Disease is the result of muscle degeneration and there are several subtypes to be aware of. Duchenne's muscular dystrophy and Becker's muscular dystrophy, which are commonly seen in childhood, and myotonic dystrophy, which is the most common adult onset muscular dystrophy. In terms of pathogenesis, Duchenne's muscular dystrophy and Becker's muscular dystrophy are both inherited X-linked recessive disorders, approximately one third of cases of spontaneous mutations. In-frame deletion results in Duchenne's muscular dystrophy, which is the severe form, and out-of-frame deletion results in Becker's muscular dystrophy, which is the milder form. Genetic abnormality leads to dystrophin dysfunction, and dystrophin connects cytoskeletons of muscle fibers to surrounding extracellular matrix. Abnormal or lack of dystrophin results in muscle fiber fragility, muscle breakdown, necrosis, and immune involvement. This may be followed by a period of muscle regeneration, and over time, fibrofatty replacement of muscle fibers occurs, resulting pseudo-hypertrophy of the muscles involved. Myotonic dystrophy is an autosomal dominant disorder. Its unstable trinucleotide repeats in the MD kinase on chromosome 19, and the number of repeats correlate with severity. Function of the protein is unclear, but may be important for regulating synthesis and function of muscle structures. Now, our focus is going to be mainly on Duchenne's muscular dystrophy and Becker's muscular dystrophy. From a signs and symptoms point of view, Duchenne's muscular dystrophy is characterized by children are being normal at birth, but begin to be clumsy in the first year of life. They arise using the Gauss procedure where they use their hands, then their legs, to stand up. Child does not run or jump, walks on toes, and has a rattling gait. They are prone to frequent falls by the age of 6 and 7, and can be wheelchair-bound usually by the age of 12. Lower limb weakness followed by upper limb weakness is predominantly observed, and as I mentioned, pseudohypertrophy of the calf and tendon contractures may occur. Scoliosis and cardiac involvement is not uncommon, particularly cardiac myopathy, and there may be an element of delayed cognitive development. Baker's muscular dystrophy is similar, but the symptoms manifest face at a later age. Weakness may begin in the first decade of life, but patients can walk beyond the age of 15. So diagnosis can occur clinically, but we also need to consider other causes of myopathies and different types of muscular dystrophies. Some differential diagnoses to consider include polymyositis, which can also occur in childhood, and cerebral palsy, which can have similar manifestations. In terms of investigations, a number of approaches can be adapted. Laboratory tests may be useful. Protein phosphokinase can be elevated due to muscular damage and muscle death. And Three elevated levels obtained one month apart is highly diagnostic. Levels decrease though as muscle is replaced with fiber fatty tissue. ALT and LDH can be elevated and they can be non-specific markers. Molecular genetic studies can be performed and ultrasound may reveal increased echogenicity in muscles involved. Electromyography may be non-specific for MD but can show polyphasic short duration motor unit action potentials with decreased amplitudes although this can vary depending on the period of recovery or that this is during the period of an acute dysfunction. Biopsy is very important and findings really depend again on the stage of the disease. Evidence of muscle degeneration can be observed with variations in muscle fibers and even the presence of adipose tissue. In terms of treatment, a number of treatment options are available. From a pharmacological point of view, the use of corticosteroids such as prednisone and deflazacort may be considered to suppress the immune-mediated destruction. Deflazacort has some advantages in that it is potentially bone-sparing and carbohydrate-sparing. And because we are exposing these children to the use of corticosteroids, vitamin D supplementation and bisphosphonates may be warranted to limit
limit the impact on bone health and osteoporosis. Creatine supplementations can be considered. Gene therapy is an area of investigation and it's highly experimental and there are trials using viral vectors to correct the gene dysfunction. And also surgical treatments are important, particularly where there are deformities such as contractors and scoliosis. Non-pharmacological treatments are also important. Physiotherapy and occupational therapy input is vital for home modification and wheelchair use, braces, stretching exercises and gait training. Cardiac health monitoring is another important area because of the patient's risk of cardiomyopathy. Having said this, muscular dystrophy doesn't have a good prognosis. It's an incurable disorder and death usually occurs in the second or third decade of life due to heart failure or respiratory failure. This brings our presentation to an end. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, please get in contact with us on Facebook, Twitter, our website and email. Our episode today was put together by our executive producer, Gautam, and our co-editor, Cindy. For notes, elective experiences, and much more study resources, visit our website on thecommonrounds.wordpress.com or visit us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. If you like our episodes, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It means a lot to us. You've been listening to The Common Rounds. I'm Hamid. And I'm Andy. And we'll see you next time. See you next time.